It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast, the midweek edition prior to the Cheetahs match. This is uh, being recorded a little bit earlier because I'm actually on my way. I will be on my way to the to Bloemfontein um, when we normally send this out. But I've got William Davis on the line. Good evening, Alan. And I'm Alan Deegan. I, one of these days I'll introduce myself correctly. Um, and we've had some news from the trip from Treviso about the, the squad, William. Yeah, Connacht have uh, landed in uh, 29 degrees in Bloemfontein, so they're um, all all in their shorts, and the photograph they tweeted out looking uh, reasonably happy, probably a little bit tired, but uh, there are no changes to the squad that went to Treviso, and Alton Delan, contrary to what we originally thought, is staying with the team in South Africa, so uh, he's available for Saturday. That's great news. That's that's excellent news. And just going back to that photo, knee looks an awful lot happier after that heck of a trip compared to the Siberian one. So <laughs> he's 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 very pleased. <laughs> well, if there's any videos in in the dressing room at halftime, they won't be handing out hot tea. I doubt. I doubt on, sa- on Saturday night. I think it'll be isotonic drinks or whatever they have. Exactly, exactly. But he certainly looks as though he's uh, he's he's returned to weather he much prefers. But uh, and and I, you know, I'm I'm looking. I'm travelling on Wednesday, so I'm hoping that you know the Siberian influence for this trip isn't quite the same one as you had, obviously. But the the influence is there, and it might it might affect my journey. But um, with a bit of luck, it won't, and I'll get out of Dublin on Wednesday afternoon and out of London on Wednesday evening. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit ironic, really, that the the beast from the east, as they're dubbing dubbing it, has uh, has sort of landed a. A Siberian airflow over most of Europe. Um, some severe temperatures already in Central Europe drifting across to us. So, um, yeah, let's hope your uh, your flights all go reasonably on time. Uh, it can be quite fraught at airports in this part of the world in the snow. Uh, I'd have to say, having experienced it in uh, Russia a couple of years ago, they, they don't seem to worry very much about snow. They just get on with it but i suppose we don't get it that often and um well i'll i won't be wishing a bon voyage until the end of the podcast but uh, let's hope for everybody traveling there'll be a lot of people heading down wednesday thursday sort of time i'm sure there's conic fans going there be... already <laughs> well they're the lucky they're probably the lucky ones because they're also <laughs> missing the weather here exactly. but um for anybody who is traveling i hope all your your flights and stuff work out and uh, they generally get themselves sorted at airports. It just can sometimes require a bit of patience when uh, they're de-icing and clearing runways and stuff. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. And and you know, as as part of our preparation for that, you you went and spoke to uh, Connacht manager Tim Allnut. Yeah, I had a good chat with Tim just to uh, fill in on uh, what it takes to get a professional sports team. Uh, to South Africa, obviously, Connacht are used to travelling, but they're travelling over much shorter distances, and it's it's usual single trip. They they go and play in Italy, or they go and play in uh, exotic places like Newport and stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's a little different when you have to get on the road for about eleven days, which is what they're away on this trip, and uh, the significant amounts of preparation in it. So I went along to have a, a chat with Tim. People would know him um, as a player. A um, little bit back now, from about 2001 to 2004, he played 24 times for Connacht until a 
serious knee injury uh, ended his uh, career, um, which was obviously very disappointing for him. But then he, he moved into the to the management side of things almost immediately. Uh, played centre for Connacht, centre for Corinthians, and uh, you've been doing a little bit of digging, Alan. He scored his one and only try for Connacht against Sale in a game in nine, 2001, yeah. which Connacht uh, lost at the Sports Ground 33-30. And it's interesting to note that uh, Dan McFarland, who's probably still grinning like a Cheshire cat <laughs> after his perf- his forward performance um, against England, he's now with Scott. Obviously, he's a Scotland forwards coach. He scored a try that day, and a certain Bernard Jackman scored a try for sale. So uh, it's funny how these things link up. He's obviously now coaching at the Dragons, having spent some time with uh, Grenoble. Tim's been there a long time. We we would bump into him at airports all over the place. Mm. He beavers away in the background, particularly in the logistical side of things, of moving humans, um, which can be a trying as I do a little bit of organising for that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes be a tad trying. Um, b- boxes of equipment are, are, are quite easy, but humans sometimes take a bit of uh, organising and shouting at and <laughs> yeah. whatever. So he has to do a bit of that. But it was great to catch up with him, and uh, here's what he had to say. I'm with Tim Olnott, the Connacht team manager. And we're about 10 days away from Connacht playing in South Africa, but you're, you're getting ready to, to travel next weekend. So I want to get a, a feel for how you, first of all, you have to go to Treviso to play, um, which has its own complications. It's not the easiest place in the world to get to sometimes. And then you've got to rejig and get on a plane to get to South Africa. So so how, how do you... Let's just start with Treviso first. How, how does yeah. that work? What well, I suppose with, with Treviso, um, with with us having travelled there quite a few times now, we're quite used to, to, to getting there on, I suppose, the, the difficulty with that now is with the South African trip on the back of it. So, you know, going direct from, from Venice then on to uh, Dubai and then on to uh, Johannesburg and then on to Bloemfontein. So... You know, we're we're bringing 25 players to Italy. Um, there may be a couple of changes depending on selection. Uh, guys coming back and meeting, and then another couple of guys flying out uh, from Dublin to meet us in Dubai. But um, logistically, it's it's uh, quite difficult, I suppose, um, factoring in the amount of kit that we have to bring with us. Um, you know, I think. Everyone has their own individual bag, but then there'll be about 24, 25 team bags on top of that with so much stuff. Like we've, we've put a lot of work into uh, trying to make it easy for the team to adapt uh, when we get to altitude. Um, so we have we are bringing the kitchen sink with us this time. You could have put Martin in his van and told him to drive you. Yeah. I mean, he could have left about sometime in the middle of last week. Yeah, and, Joyce would have loved that. And driven yeah. down, yeah, just, yeah, you know, about 15 countries and a couple <laughs> of car ferries and stuff. When when you talk about kit to help you deal with altitude, what's what specific? Yeah, so in fairness, Laura Mahoney, our, our um, nutritionist, she's she's done a lot of research on it. And I think with, with altitude, um, a lot of people would say you need to be there for a couple of weeks at least to to, to start getting your body used to those, that that altitude. Um, what we've done because we're only going in on the uh, we arrived there on the Monday. We're providing the players with a with their own kit. Uh, it's just a bag full of 
all the information that they need. So when they leave Italy, they have a, a bag full of electrolytes, uh, there's snacks, there's hand sanitizers, there's uh, things to help them sleep, not not sleeping tablets, but just we're, we're trying to make it so I know we're not we're not really changing time zones as such, but you know we're telling them when they should be sleeping on the plane, when they shouldn't be, when they uh, when they should be eating, when they, you know what they should be drinking, you know the protein intake. Um, refueling and so they'll have this little bag with them full of goodies that um will will just hopefully when they get there and 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 get set on the Tuesday for training that we're we're hitting the ground running um you know we we spoke about it yesterday it's it's a place that not many of us have been to uh before but we're very conscious that we're there to work we're not there just to be on tour and um Although, you know, you'd love to embrace the whole thing and, and do all the safaris and all that sort of stuff. That's not what we're going for. We're going over there to do a job and um, that hasn't been lost on, on the players, especially after the disappointment from last week. It's a, it's a real refocus for, for the group and, um, you know, it's it's about going over there and working our absolute socks off to try and get the best result. Now, one of the things about moving groups of people is... Uh, and I, look, we come across you guys travelling on occasions when we're going to games as well. But if are you the guy that has to be there waiting for the would so-and-so go back to security? Or, uh, excuse me, Tim, I've forgotten my passport mm. and I have no idea where it is. And how do you yeah. deal with all this stuff? There, well, there's some things that you can't really plan for and you know a lot of that would be involving players losing things. Um, there's a couple of real culprits in, in the group that are notorious for um, for things. I know one player actually put his name on the back of his phone with a message saying that if this was picked up by anybody, please call this number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it worked because I think about a week later he lost the phone and it still hasn't shown up. So, um, but yeah, th- there's always things come up when you when you're moving in such a large group. There's there's guys are going to you know lose passports or. Phones, keys, you name it, um, boarding cards, and it's down to me, I suppose, as as the manager to to try and um, get everybody there in one piece, one piece, and get them home then in one piece and and on time. Um, some things are out of your control, obviously, but you know, even, even for us, um, there's a few foreigners in the group, and just just in preparation for for South Africa, you know, some of us had to get visas for the first time to go to to a country like that, and. Um, even that experience, you know, there's a lot involved in it. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of documents needed, and and um, it's really, you know, it's enjoyable and it's it's just something different for us. But it's not something I'd like to be doing every week. Um, and sometimes, you know, players' main main function is to play matches, and you know, most of them do that really, really well. But there's uh, sometimes there's other things that we need to do to to get them to where they need to be, and. It can be it can be challenging at times, but um, I think you have to be patient, uh, which I think I am. Um, a little bit understanding at times, but also uh, ready to give them a bit of a kick up the bum when they need it as well. I, d- I did see you on a on a on a bus because we shared a bus with you one day over in Krasnodar, and you were there counting and looking at your list mm. and thinking, "Have we got everybody to go to this training session?" Because everybody was coming out really slowly, mm. you know. And it's, and it struck me then that moving groups, particularly adults, I think, possibly yes. are harder to deal oh, with. Oh, yeah. I think when you tell kids that they have to be somewhere and if there's a bit of a fear factor there, they will be there. But with adults, the fear factor's diminished quite a bit and uh, they sort of 
can take their their time. But I think you know, um, as a management group, we we actually all work together, so it doesn't really fall to one particular person. It's it's we're all in it together, and um, you know the lads know too. Like we've got some really good leaders in the group, and yeah, they might help give guys a bit of a hurry up when they need it. But uh, yeah, it's it's it is it can be challenging, but it can, it's it's really rewarding as well. And you know, you mentioned the Krasnyas trip, like. You know, it's been referenced a lot, and it was there's no, I suppose, manual written on how to cope with some of the situations we were thrown into on, on that trip. But you know, everyone just got on with it, and, and um, you know, sort of brought us closer together. The mental strength, which Pat Lamb at the time spoke about, was was massive, and I think that really stood to us that that season, and and what a season it turned out to be. And looking specifically at the South African situation with the altitude and stuff is you obviously have to deal with that uh, as a management structure. But I suppose as well, you it's almost you want to maybe deal with it and then park it and move mm. on to the actual game because you could almost become obsessed that everybody's just talking about yeah. what are we going to do, what's it going to be like, rather than actually getting on with it. Yeah, and it's interesting you mention that because we have spoken about it at length and we, we met as a group again yesterday and, um, you know, we're all about no excuses. So why we're giving them all the... The pack with everything in it that they need. Once they've got that, you know that's sort of it. We don't really talk about it then. You know, our training sessions are going to be small, uh, sharp, intense sessions, which will get the lungs fired up. But you know, um, research would say you know do small hits and do them often. So that's what we're going to be doing when we're out there. So um, you know, we're not just going to be lying in the room and, and drinking water and rehydrating. It's about getting the lungs fired up and getting the body used to it a little bit. But as you say, no excuses. We, we park it. As soon as we land, it's it's forgotten about. Um, we're there to work. We, we're there to do our training. We're there to prepare as best we can for the game. And, and, you know, every team that's been out there so far, like it hasn't been a massive deal for them. I know, you know, the cheaters are very, very hard to beat at home. But if we just worry about ourselves... I think we'll 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 do okay. And they don't want to be going petting any lions. <laughs> no, no, no. That has been spoken about too. Funnily enough, but I actually spoke to the person who runs that camp, uh, that uh, park, and uh, they were asking us if we wanted to go. But I sort of I'm a little bit hesitant to be honest. So um, yeah, I don't think we'll be petting any lions or <laughs> tigers or anything like that when we're out there. Um, I've heard a little story that uh, the players are going in business on their way to South Africa, and the management are going to have to go down the back in uh, what's euphemistically described as economy. Well, mm. It depends who you're flying with. But That's right. That, that is true. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, there's a few sports organisations here. I mean, we could tell Roy Keane about that. He'd probably be giving <laughs> you gold stars. But I'm assuming that's because you've got huge athletes yeah. who've played a game of rugby yeah. and sticking them in one of those seats for... It's, yeah. it's a long old flight. I know you're it having is, a break yeah. in yeah. Dubai. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what we're saying about um, going over there to work, going over there to get the result. We're trying to do everything we can to get the best out of the players and it'd be a bit off-putting for them to see the management sitting up in business class and stretched out and drinking champagne and them down the back squashed into the seat. So, you know, we thought that the the best way to do it is, um, you know, get them up front, get them, you know, stretched out. They can, you know, the seats fold down into bed so that they will get their rest when they need to. Um, so that's what it's all about. Like to be honest, for the management, we can get the sleep when we get to South Africa, and, and it's still in fairness economy and, and flying Emirates is is pretty damn good anyway. Um, but 
we just felt that it was the right thing to do. I know some of the other teams have had everybody fly in economy. Uh, I know some of them have also had everybody fly in business class. But as I said, we're, we're there to work, we're there to get the win, um, and we want the lads in the best possible shape. I looked at an old programme the other day, connect against the uh, Celtic... What were they called? Celtic Warriors. Celtic Warriors in mm. May 2004. Tim Allnut, captain. Quite a few famous names in that. Some of them still around. Bernard Jackman was there. There was a chap called Muldoon in the squad. He didn't actually make it that day. No. But but looking back, you've been with Connacht for that's a very long time. Mm. That's sort of going back into the dim and distant past. So you've obviously seen a lot of changes here, and just the fact that it just keeps rolling ro- rolling along. Yeah, it's um that game. I think might have been my last game for Connacht. Uh, at the sports ground here, and I think that was when the the Celtic Warriors actually got shut down uh, straight after that. But you know, I, I, I loved playing here. Um, obviously, it was different times back then, and as a sport and a amount of spectators that followed it, it was it was you know a lot less than what it is now. And um, I think Connacht has grown unbelievably in the time I've been here, um, and it's great to have been a part of it. It's it's become so much more professional. Um, you know, because it was only it had only just really turned professional. It was still in its infancy when when I came in here in, in two thousand, and um, we had a great time. We had great people here, but the people are still remain. You know, there's still great people working here. There's still, you know, the players are they're good lads. They buy into the community and what we're all about. And um, you know, I've seen. It's funny that the ball boys squad uh, that Colette Fallon looks after. The amount of players that have come through that that have gone on to represent Connacht is actually amazing. The percentage, I'd, I'd love to actually, I must sit down and, and work it out, but you know, the likes of Sean O'Brien, Darrell Leader, guys like that, they've come through as ball boys. Tien O'Hallan, O'Hallan was a mascot. Um, I remember holding his hand running out onto the field one day and you know, look at him now. So it's it's um, things like that are scary because you, you realise how old you're getting, but at the same time, to see the growth that's gone on here and, and you know bringing a, a title back to the, the sports ground, um, you know, being part of a, a team that's um, got massive ambition, and you know, seeing young kids having a pathway to to play for Ireland, and you know, seeing seeing the amount of guys that have actually worn the green shirt over the last few years is is that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about, and um, I love being a part of that. And I, 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 you know, I love I love when we win. I hate when we lose, like everybody, but sometimes you take so much more out of those losses than you do out of the wins, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but uh, I think, you know, we, we're very, very close to, to building, you know, something quite special here again, and, you know, following on from, from Pat's reign here, you know, we've got some really good people, and they, they work very, very hard um, with the group to try and get the best out of them, and, and it's, it's happening. It's just a matter of time. Tim, have a great trip. Thanks, William. We'll be following it from a distance this time. Maybe next year we'll get down there. Good. But uh, thanks for talking to us. No problem. Thanks very much. Good stuff. That was um, some some really interesting bits in there. Yeah, I'm fascinated. Uh, well, it's of course the thing is that the players players are going going in the in the luxury bits. The uh, they will be turning left when they enter the plane, depending on maybe they're not because they might actually turn right and. It's the bit that I usually have to w- walk through very en- enviously, thinking, God, I wish I could be up this bit of the plane as you go down the back. Um, but obviously, look, he says they're the guys that are there to work. Yeah. They're all there to work, but they're the guys who are there to perform. Yeah. Um, 
fascinated by the dietitian's little um, yeah. snack pack, um, and it, it all has to be thought out. It's 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 a serious business, uh, especially as they they've they've played on on Saturday and uh, and won, as as we know, um, and of course on on that topic yesterday Cardiff managed their third win in a row. They managed to win away in Zebra. Um, so it's all getting very interesting in our bit of the conference and the results really aren't going with us. I was, we were, well, I was hoping that Zebra might do us a favour, but they weren't able to. And uh, Cardiff now five points ahead of Connacht uh, and are in fourth place. And the Ospreys are two points behind Connacht in sixth place. So it's getting mighty crowded down at... Uh, the playoff bit of the uh, conference. It certainly is. Um, but Zebra did their best. And, like It was only a 10-7 victory for, for Cardiff, so it, it's not as though Zebra were sort of blown away or anything. And uh, But yeah, it's it's down to us to go out and keep getting results. If they can get a result over in South Africa, where only one team has managed to do it, um, it would be something else. But maybe they'll even get a losing bonus point or a try bonus, because there's one thing that there's always lots of tries. I'm expecting an awful lot of tries on Saturday. It's pretty open rugby they play. It's 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 sort of something you feel it's, it's a bit of a super rugby view. If it's, it's you know if you score four tries, we'll score five type of mentality. Mm. Um, but I think the the thing for Connacht, it's very obvious. They've got to stay in the game for as long as possible. Uh, they do throw it around the cheetahs, and they can be quite loose in defence. Um, they were rather too loose the other night against uh, Neath. I was reading a little bit more about that or Neath. Neath Swansea Ospreys to give them their full title. Um, it really was a last sort of gasp win for the Ospreys, which is uh, is the sort of thing that probably um, might at the end of the season. It could be a little squeaky win for that. Could get the Ospreys ahead of Connacht, but they've got a chance on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be um, you'll be down and you'll be sending back. We'll be doing a preview on Galway Bay on uh, Friday evening with some mm-hmm. interviews coming back from Bloemfontein. And we'll be covering the match with reports uh, on air yep. as it happens on Saturday evening. And we'll be talking to your good self on Saturday as well uh, at the ground and you'll give us some idea of the atmosphere. So uh, any Connacht fans who are listening to this who are down in South Africa, uh, do find Alan and give him their opinion. Don't run away when he comes at you with a microphone. Stay there and talk, and uh, I hope you all have a very good time. Well, we certainly plan to. We certainly plan to. Now, before we move on to the last little bit of any other business, I'd like to once again thank Sports News Ireland for their continued support and continued um, tweeting out and, and uh, adding us to their, their excellent website, their sports website. Uh, for the support they're giving us so thanks again to Sports News Ireland so we'll, we'll finish off with a little bit of any other business because we're keeping this short um, and you were watching the women's match I was unable to watch it I was I was travelling I was picking up my daughter in Dublin yeah I watched all the game very very enjoyable good performance by Ireland um, won it well a very physical hard game but um, they seem to be getting back into a little bit of shape now after the, the problems of the World Cup and uh, Claire Malloy was player of the match. Uh, it's quite funny. You're man of the match in men's rugby, but you're player of the match in women's rugby. I don't know why you can't be woman of the match, but anyway, that's <laughs> the way they that's the way they phrase it. Uh, fully deserved, brilliant performance, um, outstanding 
work, um, turnover ball, tackles, couple of tries. Should have had a hat trick of tries. Referee got completely and gave the most convoluted excuses. And I, I just couldn't follow the excuse. I don't think anybody could. Um, so he was actually in the act of touching down with Ireland on an advantage. And the referee blew the whistle and said, advantage over. Which <laughs> somewhat, somewhat bamboozled everybody. Um, I think it was just one of those things, but it was pretty obvious Ireland were going to score a try. But they won well. Uh, Adele McMahon, who, of course, we've interviewed a couple of times on the podcast, uh, came on and herself and uh, Laura Feely were uh, uh, both Galwegians players uh, combined nicely at, in the middle of a really good move for the... Um, fifth try for Ireland and uh, it was nice to see Adele who we've spoken to a couple of times on the podcast uh, get uh, about 15 minutes and uh, yesterday rather than 30 seconds that she got against Italy which I, I always find in any game when that happens when it's when a bench is cleared it's it's a bit odd really yeah. uh, but it was a good performance they've got some interesting games they're, they're obviously they've got to play Scotland now um, on uh, Sunday week uh, and then the big one for them will be away to England who really are starting to operate at a slightly different level mm. I think in women's rugby they've um, they've made a lot of changes I think again after the World Cup they've brought another load of younger players in and they just seem to have so much talent in depth but uh, we'll wish them well and obviously we'll be keeping a, a close eye on that Okay do you have before we get into my last item, do you have anything else you want to quickly bring up? Yeah, just just a small thing today. Um, we've seen a few pictures tweeted out. Um, three Connacht players today up at the Galway Hospice, um, just in to say hello to patients, help distribute lunches and stuff. Uh, this happens fairly regularly. It's very low-key. Uh, I think it's very important sort of work to do. I think it's very... Uh, good. There was three international players, uh, Bundyaki, Kieran Marmion and Quinn Roo, back from the, you know, they must have been absolutely buzzing after uh, the win on Saturday. Mm. Um, but doing something a little different today and uh, fair play to them for doing it. I think it's great to see. Okay. And then my last my last bit was um, the, the retirement of Jamie Heaslip. And I'm just checking my records. He only ever scored one try against Connacht. After all the things he won, he's a lion and he's won Six Nations and he's won Heineken Cups, but he only ever managed to score one try against us back in December 2005. But he was a heck of a player. Yeah, he was a phenomenal player. He was um, he was sort of a guy that was never injured. And I, I, I don't think you judge careers by injuries, but he just seemed to be there all the time. And then he got one really serious injury, which he's been battling now for quite a while. And the decision, as he says, the medics have said to him, look, you've got to go. And um, I think he's uh, he's also set himself up for his, his future life. Very interesting guy, quite um, cerebral when he talked about rugby. Um, yeah, he, he really was. He was a great player and great representative for Ireland. A lo- lovely story. When he, back in 2009, played a game at Croke Park, um, they won 14-13, although that was just a last-minute try by England to get back in. Um, but he said he was so exhausted afterwards, he actually went into the sort of uh, 
area that, that you meet the press and stuff and yeah. stand around. And he just sat down, lay down under a table and went to sleep <laughs> <laughs> in his gear. Um, but he brought he brought something very special and it's a pity that he's had to end in this way, but he's a glorious career to look back on. He certainly is. And I think we'll leave it there because um, I need to get this edited and put away because I might have to leave a day early to get to Dublin to make sure I, I, I beat the snow. <laughs> it looks like it's on its way. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, William. Good stuff. Good night, Alan. Have a great trip. Bon voyage to you and to everybody going down there. Thoroughly enjoy yourselves. Have a great time. And uh, hopefully we'll be we'll be hearing about it because you'll be doing doing a podcast down there. So hopefully you'll have uh, some interesting tales to tell us. Well, I plan to. I plan to have some, some good stuff to talk. So thanks again. Night, William. Good night, Alan.